0: Absolute Sports Betting Degeneracy.
2: All right. Hey, everybody. Arch here. I am sitting here talking with the Google Hangout master, Rich. What's going on, man? Hey, Arch. How are you today? Not too bad. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm
3: uh, out knocking on neighbors' doors, telling them I'll cut the grass for any amount of money so I can build my bankroll for tomorrow yeah. for the Belmont stakes.
2: It's time to take all those beer cans to the uh, recycling and get a few bucks on the aluminum, right? Is that?
3: Yeah, I jumped the guy with the shopping cart in the alley. There's a sign now down at the end of the alley, you know, warning to all metal scrappers.
2: Uh, there's a crazy guy who's trying to build his bankroll on this block. Go elsewhere. There you go. There you go. So let's rip the copper out of our buildings and let's do this. So how big?
3: Yeah, is, none of my neighbors have, none of my neighbors have downspouts downspouts on their uh, <laughs> in the
2: garages anymore. So how? Okay, as as far as like a normal weekend of the track, just 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 a standard you know just weekend of the track. How much bigger is this weekend compared to just you know w- w- an average weekend?
3: I I don't have like a, you know no, actual I don't need the numbers. I just, but what yeah. I what you tell noticed. you from like from like anecdotal like watching things. Yeah. Yeah most of the time like when you see a, like money pools so a pick 4 pool and a regular day at a track like Santa Anita or Belmont yeah. they usually get pretty big so a lot of times they'll they'll threaten a million dollars on a good weekend of racing mm-hmm. they'll, they'll be well over a million dollars tomorrow guaranteed they'll be over a million dollars like the pick 4 pools and uh the pick 3 pools will be much much larger than usual I, i'd say at least double what they normally are so if the number of tickets are the same, well, the number of tickets are going to go up, obviously, because more people are watching. But I think the average ticket size is probably bigger, too, just because of the, you know, it's an event, not just a race. And as a result, if you have uh, winning tickets, this is the time where you're going to get usually a, a real fair payout for the risks that you're taking. Uh-huh, I like. Whereas it. I've had days in the past where. I've bet at smaller tracks on a Wednesday afternoon, you know, having a BLT for lunch uh, when I used to work downtown Chicago at the OTB. Mm -hmm. And I would have a 20 to 1 to win and a 20 to 1 to win and a 15 to 1 and, you know, all long shots to win a pick four. And you think, wow, I'm about to get paid. I'm going to go buy something I've been thinking about buying for a while. You cash the ticket and it's, $400 $400 because only $400 is in the money pool oh. when you should have gotten paid, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 Right, right. So the money pool is a huge part of the equation. And this weekend, for sure, the money pools are going to reflect uh, that you have a big event going on in the Belmont Stakes. So when you bet your tickets might actually pay out more than
2: what we've experienced in the past. Nice. So I could hire somebody to paint my deck and wouldn't have to do it myself. Like me. Yeah. Like you. (laughs) I just just painted my
3: deck. I'm in the process of redoing my, the outside of my house. And I just spent the last week priming, uh, you know, the, like the iron gate around the front of the house. Yeah. And it has all these like little, little turns and corners and crevices.
2: And oh my God, is that tedious. Mm, mm -hmm. You're getting your house show ready. That's what we say, right? You can raise Yeah, I'm going to it get it in order. I don't
3: know. In Chicago, I just listen to like the I look at I pay attention to things is probably a bad idea. It's probably making me one day closer to Prozac than I want to be. Yeah. And you know, the city has got like a 700 million dollar shortfall. The 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 mayor's begging businesses to stay that got looted and burned out. Uh, they're talking about um, because of the COVID, the amount of money that the government had to borrow. So, Illinois is an exodus state where people are actually leaving. We have one of the highest property tax bills in the country, and and they're talking about all of these fees going up. And I've read uh, on uh, some sites where they have moles, you know, in some of these conversations where the tax bills can go up fifty percent, oh, and I, and I'm seeing more and more for sale signs like around the neighborhood where I live than I've seen ever before. And I, I and I, I just have to think a lot of those people are just, you know, they're putting a bow on it and saying, it's been nice, but I'm up and out of here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the police and the mayor are in open warfare. I mean, out in the pages. I mean, it's not even like behind closed doors anymore. And I just think that that's all going to lead to probably a, a, a you know, higher costs and, you know, a less safe city. And that's just in businesses that are probably going to be here. Supply demand says if there's people leaving and not coming in, it. in Illinois already has the, the, the lowest recovery rate for home prices. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, at the not too distant future, I'm talking to you from a different destination. <laughs> You're
2: going to go all the way to Evansville or are you
3: going to go a little bit further? <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'm going to come to Missouri, to the Ozarks, and
2: so I can go swimming with hordes of people. You need a log cabin. That's what you need. Yes, me and Abe. Yeah, there you go. I don't know who that is, but all right. Abe Lincoln in his log cabin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were being cute on me. All right, let's talk horse racing. I'm not cute. (laughs) Horse racing. What are we looking at?
3: So, yes, Belmont, this weekend. So, there's six races at Belmont that are stakes races. And the um, we're going to start, well, the second race, but we're going to start with race number uh, eight. Thanks. So we're going to do yeah. the two races leading into the Belmont Stakes and then the Belmont Stakes itself. Um, and that way, perhaps uh, we can put together some tickets for pick threes that end with the Belmont Stakes. And that should be a pretty sizable pool of money as well. And I do think that in the first in, in race number Number uh, eight, the Acorn Stakes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the Belmont Stakes itself, we can limit the size of the ticket because there's a couple of horses that are probably standouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the middle race, there, race number nine, it's a little bit more wide open. So maybe we can find some value there and go ahead and uh, up the ante, so to speak, or up the payout if we happen to catch the right combinations. Let's do it. So in uh, race number eight, um, the Acorn Stakes, it's um, post time is 4.15 p.m. Eastern. They're going to run uh, one mile on the dirt, three-year-old fillies, field size of seven. And looking at the surface and the bias, um, so far, there's only been three races uh, at the current meet. And they were all won by closers. However, I keep uh, data, and this is probably not a bad thing for people who are are serious about horse racing, to go and if you have a particular local track so i know for me arlington and, and hawthorne are the local tracks you can just keep data throw it in an excel sh- spreadsheet uh, where you have like the race the race type the distance and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. and then you can start to build like a profile of a winner and it'll help you find some value in tickets sometimes so you, you might find a horse that fits that particular style that hasn't run well at different distances and now he's in a distance or she's in a distance that fits. So well,
2: um, that's one of the things I do. Yeah. So little, hold, looking back, let's hold on just one ahead. second. I want to, I want to pick that. I want to play with that thought just a little bit deeper. So when we're building a profile, we're building a profile of the horse or the track, like what kind of horse wins it, you know, what's track or we're looking at the horses and how they do at the various distances and whatnot. Yeah. So different distances, because it may, maybe a track lays out have
3: different sorts of biases. So, mm-hmm. for example, you know some racetracks are a mile, the oval, some are three-quarters of a mile, some are other distances. The turns might be a little tighter. For example, like at Laurel, the, I think the Laurel Park in Maryland, the uh, the turns might be a little bit tighter than some other tracks. They're not as wide or maybe banked. So there are a lot of different variations in terms of the track. It's not like an NFL field that's a standard size or an right, NBA right. basketball court. It's more baseball. and. and Right. And, be, and because of, yeah, more baseball and because of that, each track has its own kind of like edges, if you will, or advantages. And by keeping a log of horses that win um, at a particular length and track surface, so like six furlongs on the dirt versus six furlongs on the grass, that sort of thing. <laughs> and at Belmont Park and some other parks, they actually have, they have a inner track turf course, where the tight, the turns are really tight and like the circles are much smaller because it's inside all the other tracks. Then they have the main track, which is the, um, the dirt track. And then usually outside that they'll have a grass track, right? So each turn, as you can tell, just because of the the, the way that the circle or the oval is made, the inner track is going to have the tightest turns. The dirt track is going to have the you know average turns, if you will. And the outer um, turf track, the turns are going to be much wider and longer and spread out. So different horses, um, perform differently on those type of, of surfaces. So you might find a horse, for example, that doesn't run a two-turn race as well as it runs a one-turn race. Okay. And because of that, when the horse goes from a two-turn race to a one-turn race, maybe he was just horrible or she was horrible in the two-turn race, but now it's in a one-turn race, and you know when the horse is in a one-turn race, it does just fine. Okay, And because of that, most bettors are going to look at the two-turn performance and say, oh, that horse sucks, and they're not going to bet on him, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Whereas if you have that little bit of inside information, if you will, then you'll say, well, you know, wait a minute. When a horse runs six furlongs on one turn, he does just great. So he's 10 to one- Betters aren't taking him. I'm going to take a flyer here because history says that he fits the track bias. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So that's that's what I mean by that. Yeah, I just wanted and- to
2: follow that thought.
3: Yeah. Cool. So in this particular race, it's um, it's a one-turn race because Belmont is one of the longer tracks. So they come out of a chute, run out of the backstretch, so it's only one turn. So post position really doesn't make that much of a difference, I don't don't think, because Mm -hmm. they have a long stretch to run and there's not an immediate turn. So a lot of times a a track will start and the horses have a very short, short amount of time, uh, short amount of track space to run before they have to make that first turn. And because of the way they're spread out, the horses that are inside, they're the ones that are likely to get to that turn first. So it means the horses on the outside really have to run harder than they probably want if they want to be close to the front. So they might burn up more energy than you want your horse to do if they get an outside post. Mm -hmm. Because at Belmont, that's not really the case on one-turn races. Um, and, And a lot of these longer routes, like a mile, most tracks a mile race, you're going to turn two times. Here, you're only turning once. And because of that long back stretch, post position's not really going to play a factor. So, really, the best horses should be able to get to the turn and and, and get to the turn first, which gives them an advantage um, coming out of the turn heading for home. Okay. Okay. So, here we have some youngins that are going to be running. They're three years old, but most of the horses, a lot of the horses don't have a lot of experience I think the horse that has the most experience is maybe run, I don't know, six times, five, six times. And a lot of the other horses that are in this race have one or two um, races under their belt. And the favorite is the one horse. And just so people know, when I do my handicapping, I tend to do my handicapping without the – when the odds aren't available yet because I don't want to suffer from what's favorite bias. Mm -hmm. And just to explain that is when there's a favorite, it kind of influences how you think, because you might have a horse that's not the favorite as your top pick. And then you see the odds and you think, hmm, what am I missing? And it can influence the way you think. So in this particular case, um, <laughs> my handicap and I ended up taking the favorite as a one to one as my top choice. And that's gamming. Now this horse has run twice for Bob Baffert, who's one of the, he, he's probably the most famous horse racing trainer mm-hmm. in the uh, in the world. I think a lot of casual sports fans, at least casual horse racing fans, probably know who Bob Baffert is. Maybe not by name, but he's the white hair guy that you always see at the at, on TV for the televised races. So his horses tend to do really really well because he gets the best horses. Yeah, he's on. Un- Undefeated in two starts, had the highest last race speed rating. And his fractions were the same for a mile and a 16th, basically, uh, as they were for a six and a half furlong race. So that tells me that this horse is real strong, that's fit, and it's probably going to get close to the lead and have a chance to wire the field. So I'm not sure because of the um, lack of experience, only two races, that he's not vulnerable as well. So I wouldn't just isolate him on the top of my ticket, despite the fact that he's one-to-one, simply because he hasn't run against the top level competition yet, or she hasn't, I'm sorry, it's Phillies. She hasn't run against the top level competition yet, but what she's put on paper so far is definitely uh, top-notch stuff. So the second horse that I have is Casual, which is three-to-one. It's another horse that's undefeated in two starts, And her numbers are pretty similar to the one horse. Hmm. So I would expect that these two horses are likely to be the first two out of the gate or within the front pack. And both will have a pretty good shot, I think, of uh, winning the race. Steve Asmussen is bringing the horse in from Churchill Downs where she won. And her speed figures are a little bit more consistent than the one horses. So that might be about her level. But if she takes a step up, uh, then absolutely, I think she can compete with Gamine, and, and, if
2: not, have a shot to uh, to beat her. I like it. I like it. And Steve Asmussen, yeah. we know that name. If you've been listening to the podcast, we've seen his name pop up from time to time. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. he's definitely uh, one of the better trainers. Yeah. Uh, the third
3: horse I have, and, and this horse has run against the best competition, and I'm almost surprised that it's not the favorite, and that's Perfect Alibi number seven yeah five and one morning line odds and and she has the top jockey and irad ortiz who's won 30 percent of the races so far um at belmont this current meet so you know <clears throat> the horse that he's on is a indication of what the top jockey feels the horse um his potential is and this horse ran in the breeder cup juveniles fillies race back in november so it was considered one of the better horses in the uh better 2-year-old con- horses female horses in the country last year and she's really only lost to you know really high high caliber um fillies I mean top of the notch stuff so I think she has a really good shot now she's probably going to run maybe third or fourth coming out of the uh you know when they're coming around the track and if she's within, I would say, you know, two and a half lengths of the leaders mm-hmm. coming out of the stretch, she definitely has the best back class. In other words, she's run the best races against the best competition. So she definitely has the back class um, to go ahead and take out those two youngsters <laughs> in terms of uh, their their experience. And if she runs her best, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she pulls off the win at, at – at, at five to one. So, I think those three horses are probably where you're going to find the winner. Okay. And then a little bit more value plays. The two horse
2: is uh, Lucrezia. No, Lucrezia. Lucrezia. All right. Yeah. Good. She's a, she's a person that was, uh, fell in love with a brother and they had an incestuous relationship. I did not know that story, so (laughs) Lucrezia.
3: (laughs) Well, it's kind of interesting that the owner would name him after that, no? Yeah, it's an odd pick, yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that story means. But anyway, um, she's always near the front as well, but she's kind of faded a little bit against some stiffer competition. Mm -hmm. So I I do think she has a pretty good chance. Last time out, she lost to another phenomenal horse, um, Swiss Skydiver. And as a result, um, I I do think she'll be in the mix. She's hit the board in 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 five of her six lifetime starts.
2: Yeah,
3: Uh, ran second last time. Um, I just don't know that she's going to be the the caliber of the top three picks. She hasn't run the competition that Perfect Alibi has run, and her numbers don't seem well we kind of have a better picture because she's run six times that's the most experienced horse in the field and you see her numbers are pretty consistent so you kind of know what you're going to get from her whereas the two horses that haven't run as much i think there's still more upside in those horses mm-hmm. so if they unleash that upside uh, they'll be that upside will be higher than what the two horses been able to accomplish so far
2: i gotcha okay
3: And then we round out our picks with the five glass ceiling and number three water white. Those are our uh, alternative picks. Okay. So in terms of putting together a a crafting a ticket, I do think the one is vulnerable, even though it's one-to-one simply because of its lack of experience. Casual is also a horse that's kind of lacking experience. Um, But if their potential shines through, I expect one of those two will win. If experience is really going to be the factor, then uh, perfect alibi. So like if we're going to put the pick three ticket together, if I were going to bet a pick three on Saturday, which I will, (laughs) I would put the one, four and seven as my horses to win this race acorn stakes so race eight and for like an exacta or trifecta i would probably just box the one four and seven for my exacta and for a trifecta i would go with one four seven to come in first place one four one two four seven to come in second place and then for sure the one two four seven for third i might throw the five in there but i think i would just stick
2: with those top four horses. just stick with the one two four seven combos Okay.
3: If you want to put a little bit more money, and then you add in the alternatives, just in case one of them hits at a lot at a higher price, because like I said, with the money pools, it's worth investing a few more dollars mm-hmm. because if you hit with a long shot, uh, it's going to definitely show up in the payouts. So okay. don't be afraid to add the alternatives. So one of the things I like to do on so. Let's rewind a little bit. Sure. One of the things that I like to do when I'm when I'm looking to make my bets, right? So I don't want to be so hard and fast that this is what I'm going to do no matter what. Right. I kind of want to let the conditions dictate where I want to put my money sometimes. So let's say, for example, um, number uh number five, our alternative pick, glass ceiling, morning line it's 20 to one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. She's won her last two races. And let's just say for whatever reason, she goes to 50 to one. That tells you almost no money's coming in on that horse. Right, right. At 50 to one, I'm going to throw her in my tickets just in case, you know, because my handicapping says she's got a shot. have her ranked uh, fifth. So it wouldn't be much of a stretch for her to find her way to third when the race is over Mm -hmm. and if you had a trifecta let's just say gammon wins at one-to-one and casuals the second favorite at five to two and then glass ceiling comes in third at 50 to one you just turned a ticket that might have been 30 bucks into a ticket that's a hundred dollars yeah no so i'm yeah so i'm looking for horses that their odds, as we talked about before, lay overlays mm-hmm. where their odds kind of go o- higher than what they were in the morning
2: line. Right, right, right. I, I love that. I, yeah. Yeah. I love that too. So
3: <laughs> in the next race is the, um, race number nine is the hyper stakes. I guess that's how you pronounce hyper. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't think of any other way. It could be jyper. I'm not sure. Jyper. Anyway, Yeah. this is, uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about inner turf. So this is a a six furlong inner turf race. And this is where those turns are much tighter. And I don't don't know if it's anecdotal or what, but from watching these races, so many in my lifetime, I, I sort of like to see a horse that has some experience or at least tried an inner turf course in the past. Because for the first time, you know, a horse making these really tight turns, if you think about, you know, how force works, if you're going around that corner and and your core is not strong, when you turn and when you're coming out of that turn, you can kind of like fan out, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because your momentum is going to carry you out and up the track. And some horses, I've seen good horses that have never run on an inner turf course before have some real difficulty in terms of handling those tight turns so it's kind of like a specialty if you will and and so that way i like to see horses who have run on an an, an inner turf course before and and have have at least done it but preferably done it well so my top three picks are the three horses that do have experience on the inner turf course and the number one pick i have is the four which is pure sensation Mm -hmm. now uh He's had a, a turn on the Belmont six for long. He got to the lead, but he was bumped at the start and weakened late. So sometimes I don't know when a horse hits another horse, maybe sometimes it takes some energy out of them. Maybe they bruise their leg or something. And the more they run, the more it bothers them. Yeah. And they, you know, they don't they don't close out. But otherwise, she has a pretty good history of getting to the lead. And then when she gets the lead, keeping the lead. So, if she hit, gets to the lead, doesn't play bumper cars with you know the other. When he gets the lead and doesn't play bumper cars with some of the other horses at the get go or somewhere along the, the the race path, if he has the lead in the uh, going into the stretch, he's closed the deal four out of his last four times. I like it's it. Kind of like Tiger with a 54 hole lead back in his Hayden. <laughs> yeah. It's just got to get there. Pure sensation. Just got to get right. there now. Well, I suspect that he'll definitely get, you know, to the front. Cause there's really not a ton of speed in his race. Mm. So I, I don't think that he'll have a difficulty getting up close to the front. And it's not really having the front, you know, having a lead from the jump, which typically is how he does win. But There's really only um, maybe one other speed horse in the field, and that's Hidden Scroll. Hidden Scrolls only had one run on turf. It was a regular turf course, and he stumbled at the start and and tossed to jockey John Velasquez. So we don't really know how Hidden Scroll is going to run on turf. Mm. Prior to that, he kind of got to the lead or close to the lead and then tried to close the race out as they headed to the, you know, to the finals Mm -hmm. to the wire. But I don't know what hidden scroll is going to do on the turf. Nobody knows. So it's kind of a flip of a coin. So you, you could get, he could get to the lead and take the field from start to finish at a Mm -hmm. decent price, but it's not a risk I'm willing to take because I don't have any idea what the horse is going to do on, on turf Mm -hmm. and nobody else does. On the plus side, he's put a lot of really strong bullet workouts in on the turf. So, that tells me that he does like turf. But practicing is different than actual performance, as any golfer will tell you. Yeah. When I get the range before I'm golfing, every drive is straight. Every iron <laughs> is on target. I get to the course, and none of it's working. So, uh, I want to see it on the track before I go ahead and you know and, and allocate my dollars to it, no, my hard-earned. Lawn
2: mowing dollars. Right. Allen Iverson would agree with you too. Yes. Practice? <laughs> We're talking about practice. We're talking about practice? <laughs> yes. So the second horse is Old Alexandra. Okay.
3: Uh, and she's got two trips on. Uh, he, yeah, this is a female running in a race full of boys. And, oh. And female horses like, um, tend not to be as strong as male horses. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I'll just let you take So that. you take you take the reins here yeah, on this one. I'll I, sit, I'll sit back. Yeah, no, no I I don't I don't want to be canceled in the horse culture so the um but she's run really well um at on the Belmont um turf course, uh, the inner turf course, two mm-hmm. tries in the last 10 races at 6 furlongs and, and right at the wire was able to steal the victory for both of them. So her experience on the inner turf course tells me that she can't compete with the boys. She's raced, like I said, there twice, won both of them. And she's making her second start off uh, off of a rest. Her history says that she's going to make a pretty good improvement from the first race to the second race. And her last race was already the top speed figure for this field. So if history holds or at least rhymes, she'll be better than she was in the first race. And she's already shown that she can handle the six furlong inner turf course with two wins at Belmont. That's a record. I just can't, you know, throw out the window and ignore. Okay.
2: What's this? Uh, our, there's, a our note, door, oh, there's a note next door. Well, there's a note next door. Name says Aus. Is she Australian or what's that? Aus. Yeah, from Australia. She's Australian. Oh, uh,
3: okay. Okay. Yeah, so. and her and her dad's from Brazil, or her grandfather's from Brazil. So she's truly an international there horse. You go. All right. Yeah. So yeah, now that's you'll see like GB for Great Britain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think MX for Mexico. Some. So a lot of times, like obviously I'd say the two main, and there's probably a third now the the, the U S is the, the is like where the best horses run. Mm-hmm. And then Britain is probably where the second best group of horses run. And now the United Arab Emirates is probably you know, catching up in terms of the quality of horses that they're playing there because they're able to really up the, the, um, Amount of pool money yeah, that's yeah. available, jackpots that are available for the horses, but the United States has by far the the largest um, stakes purses available for horses on a regular basis than any other country. So most of the best horses come here. So you see horses from Great Britain; it's probably the most common um, international transfer. Uh, you see some from Brazil and Chile from South America, probably the second most. Um, some from France and in Europe, but. It's rare to see a horse from Australia. So it's, it's really, she would have been probably a, a superstar, like a uh, secretariat down there. Um, but she competes here and, and, and has done exceptionally well. So Good for her. When you see those, that's where you know. Yeah. And it's good to know, too, because you have to kind of have a sense of which countries ship up really good horses. And, you know, the trainers, much like probably, you know, baseball scouts are scouring the world for these horses now. Mm-hmm. And when you see a good trainer pull a good horse, I mean, a horse from an international horse, you know, their scouting department, if you will, is letting them know that this is a horse that can compete at the highest level. All right. So uh, our third horse is number seven, and and that's uh, White Flag, where we get a little bit of value here at eight to one.
2: Okay.
3: Now this horse is run again on the inner turf Uh, at Aqueduct twice and at Belmont once finished second by a half a length in the Belmont race and has a first um, at Aqueduct the last time uh, he ran on a, you know, turf track and the first time he got seventh place, but his Belmont record just running at Belmont. So we call these horses for the course. Some reason some horses prefer some courses better than others. At Belmont, he's run seven times, four wins, a second, and two thirds. Wow. So quick math tells you that he's never ever ever missed cashing a top three check at Belmont. Outside of Belmont, nine races, one win, one second, two thirds.
2: Damn. So he's a Belmont. He's, so he's a Belmont guy.
3: Yeah, that, that horse should take a permanent residency at Belmont, right? <laughs> Even when they're not running there should zoom you know, like you know have zoom horse racing you can run it your track i'm running at uh belmont so his Belmont record is uh is phenomenal and at the distance he's finished in the money six of of eight times so the track fits the distance fits and again just from an observation standpoint mm-hmm. Christoph Clement who's the trainer it's not one of the brand name trainers that most people have ever heard of before, but you know being a person who watches races and is aware of the, the the personalities and the you know and the folks that are behind the scenes if you will I've just seen so many times in these inner turf races you know his horses win and and I wonder and there's really not I look to see if I can get a breakdown somewhere on, you know, trainers and how they win at distances and surfaces. And I, and I haven't found it yet. So it's actually something I'm kind of working on on the oh, side yeah, yeah. where I can do it myself, but just from observing, it seems like this is his specialty. And he has two horses in this race. Um, he has white flag and he also has, let's see which one. Is. Pure he sensation. Also has
2: pure yeah. Sensation.
3: yeah. So And it's no surprise to me that he would have two horses in an turf race. He just seems to perform exceptionally well or overperforms at that level. So those are our top three horses. Yeah. And then um, the next horse we have is Texas Wedge. And really between Texas Wedge and Steuben's, so that's the three and the five, I, I really couldn't separate the two in my handicapping. Steuben's is three to one. So the, the odds maker sees it as a, a little bit um, better odds than or higher, lower odds than Texas Wedge. So if I can't break a tie, I'm always going to put the horse with the higher odds on top. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, I mean, if you think about it just from a, from a math standpoint, right? If, if I, I can make $10, if I see both things the same, so a horse that's three to one, Is going to pay you $8 if it wins. So you get your three to one odds times two. So that's $6 plus your $2 bet back. So eight bucks and Texas wedge is four to one. So I'm going to get $10 back. Right. So I see essentially the same risk between both horses, but in one horse, I'm going to get paid 25% more. Oh yeah. I'm right. Yeah.
2: You follow me on that? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so that's, that's, that's my, that's my entire Tex- baseball strategy right there in a nutshell, Rich. <laughs> okay, well. Look for even games and take the underdog. All right. Well, that's exactly the same thing here. This is an even
3: game, and Texas Wedge is the is the underdog, and I'm going to get ten dollars instead of eight if he beats them. So that's why I rank him uh, uh, um, in that order. And then the final alternative pick is number six, Hidden Scroll. That's the unknown horse that we talked about yeah. that's run really well on dirt through the jockey on his first um, turf try. And, you know, if he runs like he does in his practice rounds and like he's done on dirt, he could shock us. Um, i don't know that that's going to happen i i I would really want to get paid for that so uh, hopefully you know if you do put some money on him he's 10 to 1 odds but i really do like the fact that the top three horses have got experience on the inner turf track i hope i expect that in experience will pay off Mm -hmm. so again in our pick three i would put the top three horses again so the four the two and the seven and then from like a from a exacta standpoint I would I would probably put the the four two seven on top, but what I might do because there are unknowns with the Texas wedge and Steubens, I would probably reverse it. So I would go two three four five seven to win one of those horses, with the two four and seven one of those horses to come in second. Hmm. That way, if I get a longer shot, maybe a, you know, m- maybe hidden scroll really takes to the, uh, to the surface or Steubens really takes to the surface and takes off. I get a long shot on top. So I might put all six on top of the three. If I get a 20 to one on top of one of the, you know, maybe a, a three to one, I'm going to get a real nice ticket with big money pools. Oh yeah. And the same yeah. thing for the trifecta, I, I might put my top three or four picks, maybe the top five picks on top of um, those three picks and then put maybe five or six in the third place spot. Giving myself a lot of coverage on a day where you can really hit. Now, that's not that's, that, that's kind of like the easy way to do it. Uh, when we have more time, we can get into one day and how maybe you might want to structure tickets a little bit differently.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That way you can bet roughly the same amount of money. And instead of hitting one winner, you can hit maybe two or three winner, two yeah. or three winning tickets. Oh, sure. We'd love to hear, talk about that. Mm-hmm. we can we'll, we'll, maybe what we can do is um, you know and then I'll put out I'll lay it all out so we can go over pretty quickly for the for one of the next big races sure.
2: yeah I'd love to see the visual yeah
3: aspect yeah mm-hmm. all right so finally the uh, we're going to move to the big show the beginning of what I'm calling the twisted triple crown the twisted. Belmont States twisted yeah because the Belmont used to be the last race yep and now it's first race this year because of COVID. So they've kind of twisted the order. So a twist in hard Mike's Lemonade should sponsor the race, right? They it should. It kind of fits them and they, Not, they could steal my, uh, yeah, my, 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 my wordplay. You would sell them the copy for a reasonable fee. Yeah. I don't think I would get a a penny. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have a, a big time favorite and, and that's the, um, is Tis the Law. Oh, so he's. Yeah, he's breaking from the eight spot. And it's kind of hard to make an argument against him. His morning line is six to five. I mean, if you can lock in six to five now and, you know, some of the offshore accounts might let you do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe like William Hill or some other betting places might let you lock in. I don't believe he's going to be six to five uh, tomorrow afternoon. It's going to get ugly. huh? I think he might be three to five maybe four to five, um, but I, I don't see him being even money odds uh, or you know, higher than even money odds when the race gets started. And it's pretty simple. The horse is run on, uh, on a fast track four times, and every time he's run on a fast track, he's just obliterated the foes. The closest any horse has been to him is three lengths at the finish line at a fast track. The one time he ran on a sloppy track at Churchill Downs, he finished third by uh, three quarters of a length. He kind of got tucked in, so he had like like not didn't really have a clear path to the uh, to the to the finish line. So I think it's going to be, and I don't want to get too out of hand here to you know to try to pick something just to beat the favorite. He is the horse to beat. The way that um, this race sets up, now normally, and we were talking about this in in race number eight, normally the Belmont Stakes is a mile and a half, which is one lap around the Belmont track. So that would be two turns. In that case, having the eight post might be a detriment. But this time they're starting all the way at the back of the chute. So they have at least... I'm going to say a, an eight, a, maybe a quarter of a mile run before they get onto the track and it's just this long straightaway and there's no way that that eight spot's going to hurt him. He's going to be able to get to the position he wants to get to, which will probably be running third, maybe fourth right behind the early leaders, tracking them, you know, kind of keeping pace without really putting much uh, without exerting uh, too much energy and then when they hit the stretch, when they come into that turn, you know, the jockey there is gonna step on the gas pedal, uh, Manuel Franco and say, Okay, let's go. And based upon his history on a fast track, it's supposed to be ninety degrees and, and sunny. Uh, I you know, until he gets beat on a fast track, I, I, I don't I'm not gonna bet against him. Mm. So in your pick three, you could single him. So what a single means single, is that's yeah. you just pick one. Yeah. So so you'd have three picks by three picks, three horses with three horses and then the eight horse. So if anybody's going to beat him, I have the one horse um getting tap it to win as the one that has a shot, maybe to get him this horse is six to one morning line odds. And the reason I think he's got a shot is because when I look back at past races at the distance, there's not been very many of them over the, you know, over the course of the last year or two speed has performed well. And I have a feeling that tap at the Wind's is going to get out to the lead and could get out to a, a pretty good lead, maybe two three lengths over everybody else in the backstretch. Last time he ran, he put in the highest speed rating speed number, but it was his first time ever on Belmont's track. He ran a mile in his 16th. So he's adding a mile. He's adding a 16th of a mile. So he's just backing up the gate a little bit. So he got a trial run, if you will. And now um, he's back adding that 16th. And what was kind of impressive to me is that this horse last year broke its maiden in a six furlong race. And doing that, he ran um, a time of 109 and three. So he ran six furlongs, won a race, at one hundred nine and 3, which is a pretty good time to win a six furlong race. It's actually pretty fast. In his Belmont race last time out, his six furlong fraction was one hundred nine and 2. So, in other words, in a race that was a mile and a 16th, Mm -hmm. he ran a faster six furlong time than he did breaking his maiden, which was already a fast six furlong time. Oh, wow. And I look at that and I say to myself, that's impressive. Yeah. So, he ran the fastest speed rating, got out to a big lead. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets out to a big lead on the Belmont, in, in the Belmont field and you know, makes everybody chase him down late. And if he can run in the opening, you know, when you see like the half mile time, mm-hmm. if, he, if he's under, I mean, if it's around 47 seconds, I think it'll be very difficult for anybody to catch him. So, that's the one horse I think has a shot to take out tis the law, because there's not a lot of speed in this race. He's one of two horses that might get to the front. I think he's definitely going to get to the front. And if he can run fractions that are reasonable, you know, not just sprint as hard as he can early on, he'll have enough left, I think, to uh, to make it really close at the wire. All right. And the next horse on my list is the two-horse, Sol Valante. I remember that name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's run six times, mostly cash is the big oversized check for the winner, four wins, a second and a third, so he's never missed the board. And in these longer races, there's always there are always going to be horses that are closing at the end. So I expect that he'll be near the back of the pack, um, as you know, as the announcer is calling out the race on NBC or whatever channel it's on. Mm-hmm. And you'll think, oh my lord, I put money on this horse. Where is it? <laughs> However in every one of its races, on all six races, from the stretch to the finish line, he made up a ton of ground. In his last race, which was his first following a short rest, coming into the stretch, he was fourth by three and a half lengths and won the race by three-quarters of the length. I, I call those power moves. Yeah, I love horses that make power moves. I, I absolutely love them. And I think he's going to be – so if the, if the race is really fast up front, and, and you see fractions maybe at the half-mile marker of 45 seconds or something you know, silly like that, these closing horses are going to have a really good shot. And I think the strongest closer of all is Sol Volante. Yeah. And because there's a lack of, like, real front-end speed, I think he'll be closer to the front than he normally is. So you got a horse that's got a strong kick. The pace should set up so that he's not way, way, way in the back like he tends to be. And if he's coming out of that turn and, you know, Sol Volante is maybe fourth or fifth, no more than four lengths or so from the leading horses, he's going to make it really, really close at the wire. And uh, our final fourth pick is the, uh, of our top picks is um, number nine, Dr. Post. And again, this kind of goes back to uh, uh, the gammon in, in the young, unexperienced horses, the lightliest race horse in the field, only three races so far. One is last two stepping up really, really big time in competition. Now, because he's only run three races, we don't know what his ceiling is yet. And yet his best speed figure is on par with Tis the Law's top numbers. Oh, wow. If he runs to that level, then, yeah, this horse has a shot to win. Sometimes that first big step up in class is a difficult step up in class. But trainer Todd Pletcher, he's really good at spotting his horses. So I, I would, I don't think he'd put his horse in there if he didn't think it had a legitimate chance. And early on, we talked about jockey Irad Ortiz. Well, Irad Ortiz is on Dr. Post's. Hmm. So the top jockey, one of the top trainers – putting a horse where we're not quite sure where the top is into the field i think you know speaks well for the chances that this horse has to you know to show up and be a big part of the story so those are our top four picks tis the law tap it to win Sol volante dr post filling out our um, alternative picks are number five of farmington road and number 10 pneumatic and, and i have farmington road listed a little bit higher than pneumatic but no particular order. I, I put them both in there because I think if it's a really fast race, Farmington Road might be the second best closer in the field. Okay. And if that so it's a fast race, then Farmington Road has a shot to really pass some tiring legs late. If it's the other way around and it's not that fast of a race, so tap it to win and gets out, runs some slow fractions. Nomadic is likely to be second or third, you know, will also benefit from slow fractions then if it's a it's a slower type race then pneumatic i think has a pretty good shot to stay up front pretty much all the way around the track and and get a chance to collect the check now for our pick three ticket what i would probably do is you know we had three horses in the first race three horses in the second race if you want to you know keep the limit your um outlay single up to eight. But that's not going to give you – if you have the first two winners and Tisdalaw Law wins, it will give you the absolute lowest payout available for the pick three with, with tis the Law winning and your first two winners. So I would add probably tap it to win on the ticket as well, just in case he's able to get out to a lead and hold that lead and, and, and get to the wire first. And at six to one odds, if you, you beat a horse that's three to five, those tickets double and triple in size. Nice. So that's how I would look at it from a trifecta standpoint. And I, what I would probably do from the trifecta standpoint is uh, I would put the eight to win with like the one and two to come in second, maybe the nine if you want to put them in there. And then all six picks, to, all the other remaining five picks to come in third. And then I would reverse it with uh, tap to win. Sol Volante, maybe Dr. Post to win. With Tis the Law to come in second and then the five picks to come in third, just in case Tis the Law finishes second. Because a lot of times, those backdoor exactas and backdoors trifectas, if the three to five favorite or four to five favorite doesn't win, you'll see uh, the exactas and trifectas nearly double in, in payout as well if they come in second.
2: Mm. Okay. Okay
3: all right so that's it folks and you know it's going to be a a big money pool the weather should be nice i don't think it's rained in new york for a while so the track should be hard and fast and you know i it should be a fair surface for all horses but i do expect because of the you know the 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 weather and a hard track that speed's probably going to hold up and you'll see a lot of horses get to the front that do pretty well
2: i like it i like it oh wow we covered a lot of ground got a lot of bets Yes, a lot of bets. Well, tomorrow, like I said, is the day the, the, these these
3: Triple Crown races: the Belmont, the Kentucky Derby, the um, Preakness. So, usually from betting, what I've noticed is the Kentucky Derby and Belmont are usually bigger than the Preakness, and then then you have like the uh, Breeders' Cups in November, mm-hmm. which are also very big money pools. So, those are probably the f- four series of races that you really want to be a part of if you're a casual horse rating horse racing. Uh, better. Um, so if you're going to bet horse racing, tomorrow's the day to do it. I think there's something like 20 some odd tracks running too. So you, know, you can keep yourself entertained in between races. Cause with these um, really big races, like the uh, Belmont stakes, there can be like a 40 minute break between race number nine and right, race right. number 10. And you know, if you're bored, <laughs> they're looking at announcers talking about horses uh, you know, you can also bet on some of the other tracks that are available. And of course we have them all covered and we're having a pretty good week. So it seems like we're, uh, you know, we're on it uh, and make sure you head on over to uh guaranteed tip sheet. Yes. And let's hope we cash a, a, a ton of tickets so we can buy some fireworks and a lot of hamburgers and hot dogs, <laughs> and apple pie for the 4th of July
2: celebration. There you go. I know. I love it. I love it. Yeah, man. Guaranteed tip sheet. Links in the uh, description. It's always in the description. Just click it and head over there. Mm-hmm. Get all, get hey, if anybody's
3: ever got any questions for me, you can always email me too. So my email address is gtsrichb at uh, gmail.com. Yeah, I'd so love to get that. To way
2: that. They, can,
3: they can spy on everything
2: that we talk about. Uh, they don't need to spy on everything we talk Yeah, well, Gmail does, right? Oh, like Google does. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been kicked yeah. off yet, so I don't think I'm going to get kicked off anytime soon. I think if it was going to happen, it would have yeah. happened by now. Yeah, well, I don't think you're going to get kicked out of Gmail. No, well, they tried to kick you out yesterday, but they wouldn't let.
3: You. Yeah, they did try to kick me out. I was doing my own broadcast, and they wouldn't let me.
2: My, they wouldn't let my microphone work, so they wanted to yeah. make me look as dumb as I am. I, I keep telling you, man. You tell you tell Chris, I'm for hire, producing. So yeah, I, I let him know. Yeah, 24 hours a day, we could do horse racing all day. We'll just line up guests and just put you in front of a computer, nonstop. <laughs> that's my that's my life anyway. In front of the computer constantly.
3: My vision is horrible from my face being six inches from a computer screen.
2: (laughs) Oh, man. So, is there anything else we need to know before I kick you out of here? Nah, you know, the market, folks, is kind of in between uh,
3: recent highs and recent lows. I think that... um, it's probably going to stay in between those recent highs and recent lows unless the, the second wave of COVID really becomes, you know, you start to see some states re-lockdown, in which case you can see the stocks drop like they did before. But I think the real um, catalyst is going to be starting after the 4th of July when the, when the second, earning, second uh, quarter earnings mm-hmm. season gets started. And it's not going to be so much you know, what they report, how they did and what their financial scorecards were for the second quarter. It's really going to be the kind of guidance that the companies are giving for the third quarter, what they're seeing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we got a little preview of that last week with the retail sales, where they had the biggest jump in in history, something almost close to 18% increase. So, I think the consumer, you know, is tired of being bound up at home. Wants to go out and spend. There's some pent up demand, but when that te- pent up demand disappears, you know, where are we going to be after that? So that's going to be the big question, and executives in their conference calls will be answering that question. So, if companies are seeing the demand, you know, growing and returning back to normal, yeah. then I think you'll see the stocks probably break out to new highs. If they, uh, you know, if they're still hesitant and cautious because demand is kind of iffy, then I think the market could be in for some up and down volatility and not really go anywhere. And then of course, uh, you always have, you know, in 2020, you have another wild card in there, the you know, the presidential election. So, and, you know, love Trump, hate Trump, wherever you are on Trump or wherever you are on Biden, the reality is the market likes um, consistency. They yes. don't like yeah. unknowns. So, you know, as president Trump's poll numbers go, the closer we get to the election the market will you know might follow that because that's kind of been the history of the market mm-hmm. regardless of its republican or democrat president so right now you know what the policies are going to be right so you can plan for that if joe biden were to win you know even though he's got plans out there nobody's really sure what's going to get implemented
2: right right kind that of makes going to make sense
3: so and so the, the market could be a little bit choppy. I expect it to be volatile from here all the way into the election. And then depending upon the election, you know, I, I would expect you could see some volatility afterwards for a little bit as well. But yeah, after November, it should settle in. The good news is I've done some study on this. The you know, when there's an incumbent on the ticket, uh, then. So right now, if you know Trump is the incumbent, usually those years end in the green, which is a good thing. Um, If Trump were to win in four years, then you would have no incumbent on the ticket. It's a
2: little bit more of a wild card. No. Yeah. It makes sense. All right. Well, that's it. Yeah, man. That's a lot of stuff. All right, Rich, why don't you get out of here?
3: I will. I got to go back to the painting, the deck and the fencing, making sure the outside of the house is pristine.
2: All right. Good luck. I hope your realtor likes what you've
3: done. Yeah, well, we're not selling yet, but soon. Talk to you later, man. Take care.
0: Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents.